Hello again, this is um, part three of me yakking, <laughs> talking about riding a motorbike around Australia solo back in um, early 97. Um, I, I picked a few stories just to share and I hope, hope you like them. Um, they struck me at the time, so um, I thought I'd share them. So the first one um, was an interesting thing about travel communities and when I was going around, I went to um, Catherine's. So Catherine's kind of, kind of a um, stop between, I was coming from the, um, obviously the Western part of um, Australia and then into Northern Territory. And I'd stayed in a place called Karanara and then ridden across to Catherine. Now Catherine's in Northern Territory. And from uh, Catherine, you can go up to Darwin and then go back down sort of south. So I, you know, and then from there I went across to, um, in fact, down to Alice Springs. So it's sort of up and down situation, but it just meant that I was in the same place, um, you know, about a, a few days um, apart. So I actually arrived, it's called the Kimberley Court Hotel, uh, sorry, the Palm Court Hotel, I should say. I don't know if it's still there. I arrived there on the um, the 15th, I believe it was, and uh, of um, April 97 and then was back there again on the 21st and what I would do is I'd also have a, a stay a couple of nights if I've been running for three days so I wanted to try and break it up so that was generally the pattern and if I got to a big city I'd stay for a week or two weeks you know really try and see what I could of the place so that was the kind of way I was heading these um, situations but the Palm Court Hotel was great a lot of backpackers went there it was managed by these two young girls I, I don't know if they were um um, on the holidays there or what they were doing but anyway they were they were kind of managing it and I chatted to them occasionally and um, on my on my return visit there when I was sort of heading through and um, on my way back to uh, I was going down to Tennant Creek and then Alice Springs and they said they'd been chatting to me and asking and people had been coming in and out and they were chatting um, to them and asking if they'd seen me um, you know this sort of solo English guy on a motorbike and um, it was it was quite funny because it suddenly struck me that I was part of this sort of community that was traveling and we were you know to me I was just riding and doing my thing and it didn't really make any difference to anybody else but there was this sort of little connecting with the community and the other nice thing I had and this was much earlier um, there was a couple um, that I met earlier in the trip when I was on um, actually going across the Nullarbor I'd stopped at one of the road houses to get a cup of coffee. Now, the way the coffee situation works um, in um, Australia, when you're in the more remote place, I don't know if it still does, but if you're the driver, you would get a free cup of coffee. So you could basically drink as much coffee as you liked. And, that, you know, it was really good. So I would just stop and get a coffee at places and have a break and stretch my legs and all that kind of thing. And I think this was on the entrance to um, the Nullarbor. And I'd stopped at a roadhouse, but it wasn't going to be my night stop for the night. I was going to do another few hours and then stop. And um, got a cup of coffee, wandered about half asleep, excuse me, as usual, and not really listening. Went off to the next roadhouse and um, got settled in for the night and then went to... Um, there was a little kind of cafe area there. I went there to have some food. And I uh, met this couple, and they were in a bus... Um, which so it was an old bus they'd converted and uh, what I hadn't realized they'd been at the previous stop and actually had said hello to me but I was so in my own head or wherever I know what planet I was on but there you go. it wasn't it wasn't earth obviously and um, anyway we got chatting and they were absolutely lovely and um, we were sort of traveling the same way as far as um, Esperance which is um, 
kind of beyond the um, Nullarbor. So when you when you when you go on the Nullarbor, you um, yeah, Norseman is the the first town when you reach the end of the Nullarbor, and uh, we were heading off. So we actually sp spent a few nights going from I think it was um, probably Seduna or Euclid where we met, and then through Kaiguna and then Norseman and then Esperance. Asp so it was about a week or so we were travelling together. But it was really nice because they'd head off a little bit early and then I would, you know, get out of bed, get my stuff going, then hop off on the bike and uh, overtake them at some point. And um, then they'd stop for, tra uh, you know, petrol or something and just make sure. I so it was nice. It's just like I had friendly faces behind me. But the, the thing that neither, none of us thought about until we actually got to Esperance and it was too late was they were saying, oh, we should have... Um, said why don't we take all your bags and then you can really just have fun on the bike and I was thinking oh you know I could have maybe said the same but given one of them a ride on the bike you know so anyway there you go an opportunity missed but it was really nice to have that connection with people and we would meet um every evening and then when we were in Esperance we sort of spent a few days together and then I moved on and that that was another aspect of the ride for me and it's something I haven't really spoken about before but it is a very important part of it and it's something if you, if you are considering doing this particularly alone and on a motorbike and, and I say that very specifically it, it is just this kind of business of connecting with people and, and then not now I'm very good at being on my own I spend much of my life on my own in fact I have you know I've never been married I've lived on my own a long time I've had jobs where I've been fundamentally working on my own or to a large extent so being on my own is not a big deal but what I found on that ride because I, I would get to places and I would have my planned itinerary of where I was going to what I was going to see what I wanted to do there you know every place I went to until I got towards the end I knew exactly what I was going to do but I found when there were other people along, I'd kind of connect with them. And it was really nice to be this really sort of bonding and you do things together. And then one of us would leave and there's that hole and it's really, um, it's, it's really hard to, it, it's hard to explain, <laughs> but it was hard to deal with as well. I, I found I was quite affected by that. So when I left those guys, that was really hard. And I felt very, very lonely for a few days until I managed to kind of get myself back in my little you know, back in the groove again, and off I'd go, and then I'd meet somebody else. And it did happen several times. Sometimes I'd meet people. I remember in Cairns, I met some people, and I'd um, actually met a few of them. I bumped into them. We'd met somewhere else, and then they were only there for a couple of days, or one guy wasn't, and this girl was there for a few days longer, and we'd sort of hang out together for a bit, and then she took off. You know, these kind of things happened. So that was one aspect of the whole trip that I hadn't thought about at all, and it became quite a significant one. And towards the end of it so it was quite a long time it's from the end of january to middle of june so that's quite a long time i'd say the last month month and a half i was kind of done you know and i was i remember being in queensland and queensland's very interesting i went up to cairns i actually left the bike and went on a trip up further north because it was all off-road and all of that and i just did a four-wheel drive trip because i mentioned in the previous um podcast that the bike was not good off-road and I decided not to risk it and the hotel were great they left me let me leave it there um so, some uh, big uh, grasshoppers had made a home in my fairing uh, when I got back but other than that it was all good um but yeah the uh and I completely lost my train of thought now which is well which is not good but that whole business of sort of connecting reconnecting with people was was quite difficult um so yeah, definitely for the last part, I was feeling a bit emotionally bludgeoned. And 
I was working my way down the Queensland coast back to Brisbane and a lot of islands and you know I had plans I'd go out and see what I could but in the end I was sort of doing it for the sake of it and I came across um, the tomb of and I've forgotten his name now um, but he was quite um, famous in Australia and I'll paraphrase what was on his um, headstone and as if you do if it was something on the lines of, um, and it's, I'm sure it's a famous quote, but if, if you're not doing the same as everybody else, don't worry about it. You're just, you know, following a different tune. You're marching to the tune of a different drummer. And um, I kind of like that. I, I think I saw, I think that was on my birthday, funnily enough. So it had been the 30th of May, 97. I got a feeling it was on my birthday and I was on one of these islands. But um, yeah, there was definitely that feeling. So the, the point really I'm making there is that something to think about if you're going to do this type of trip is you know sometimes it's nice to have the option to with other people so this is why I come back to my point about the motorbike because what I would find in a lot of places I was in because there were a lot of people traveling around people would put little ads up on notice boards to say that you know one person or two people I'm traveling here is anybody going the same way that I can kind of get a lift with and being on the motorbike and because it was mostly loaded with my gear I didn't have to have that option so I think if I was to do that again, I'd probably take a second helmet. It's a bit risky because, you know, not everyone's head is the same, but um, that might have been another way of doing it. Obviously, there's insurance things as well, but that's that's another thought. Or just go by car. You know, I'd, I'd, I had thought on the 10-year anniversary, so that would have been 2007, which at the time sounded like, it sounded like an awful long time away. I might try doing the same trip, but in a four-wheel drive. Well, that, 2007 has been and gone, and so is 2017. So maybe 2027, I'll do the 30-year anniversary or something. Or, uh, yeah, that is 30 years. Wow. But anyway, that's just another thought. If you, if you are thinking about doing a trip like this and you're going to do it on your own, it would be – it's just something to think about. And obviously with the four-wheel drive – You've got more options and these, these days you can get those little campy things you could like tent things you can put on the roof and climb up there you just they're good if you're not a sleepwalker if you, if you sleepwalk i wouldn't recommend it um but you've got a lot of options now and um obviously you can live stream um most places obviously out in the bush you can't because you don't have coverage but um considering i did this with maps i didn't have a phone <laughs> I, well i didn't have a phone i didn't have a credit card even so it was you know looking back on it now it was a real sort of shoestring thing and um definitely a lot of winging it but that is um that is it i thought i'd just pull up one more story and looking back on it there are so many and at some point this will become a book is is on my list of things to do um what were what were really cool stories i guess um, one thing I will share is I've mentioned the Stromandalites, which is on the Denham Peninsula. Um, and basically, um, that's kind of on the far west of Australia. And it, there's actually a place called, um, I think it's, yeah, it's actually um, Denham. And I stayed at the Gascoigne Hotel. I'm just looking at it here, the 27th of March, 97, I got there. I'm oh, sorry, I left there. I was only there a few days. And I remember the blocks, the, the blocks that made up this hotel were full of shells. So it's obviously made from uh, sort of building blocks made of the, the sort of, you know, the beach, I guess. Because there must be, you know, thousands and thousands of years of shells washed up and gradually get compressed. And obviously it makes reasonable building material. But the, um, 
Going out there was really cool because it's the furthest west point in Australia. There's also, they feed dolphins there and you, you can get in and do all of that, which is not really my thing. I love photographing them, but I didn't really want to do that. But I did go down and watch it. But, um, you know, you can imagine riding on a motorbike on your own. I didn't have any kind of entertainment like in, on, on motorbike. I don't know what you call it, on bike entertainment, whatever it is. And um, so there's a secret if you're not a biker. <laughs> Uh, I hate to break it to you, but motor, uh, most bikers sing a lot to themselves, and that's what I was doing. Uh, I must say, actually, I was singing a lot of sort of Rolf Harris Sunrise, and well, not knowing obviously what we know now about Rolf Harris, so uh, I probably would have chosen somebody else. But anyway, that was my ride, and I do remember just hammering down the, the, this peninsula, and it was just beautiful because you go over a hill, and there would be a little bay on one side, and it was absolutely stunning. And then go a little bit further down the road over a hill, and there's another bay on the other side. And um, it's it's just absolutely incredibly beautiful the the country in a lot of these places and a lot of a lot of parts of Australia. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm belting, I'm doing about 130. I'm singing at the top of my voice, and um, there was a guy coming towards me in a car, and he started flashing his headlights at me. And uh, you know, thank you whoever you were, because I did slow down to 110. And uh, there was a police car sat behind a billboard in the classic style, uh, waiting to you know catch me doing uh, well over the limit but anyway so that was a little story from the Denham Peninsula and um, what, what other stories I guess the um, yeah there were so so many actually of uh, meeting different people um, on, on the whole the trip was really good and uh, but you do need to be a little bit careful on your own so just one it was probably the only bad incident I had or potentially bad one and I'd heard it when I was in Alice Springs and then in Broome, which is up in Broome I loved. I mean, I, I would love to live there. It's really hot um, and, and the, you need to have a job. There's not much work there, but I just loved it as a place to go. It was just such an amazing, cool place. But um, I was in Broome and in the old part of Broome, there's the old sort of Chinatown and what they used to have there, the Chinese guys would come over and uh, do pearl fishing. They'd swim down and get the pearls out of oysters. So they do all of that, and that's where a lot of them are buried. But it's the old town, and then Modern Broome is, is a little distance away. Um, so it's only about a 20, 25-minute walk. Anyway, because um, I like aircraft as well, and I used to fly, I found out that in the Second World War, it was one of the areas that had been bombed by the Japanese. People know about Darwin. In fact, Darwin, when I was there, the emplacements, gun emplacements were still there with this threat of a Japanese invasion in the Second World War. But in Broome was another one that got damaged. And there was an old fly, a Catalina flying boat that had been, um, I don't know if it had been shot down or bombed or what had happened to it, but anyway, it crashed or the wreck of it was offshore and it was about a mile offshore. And that area is relatively flat. And in the very lowest tides of the month, you can go and see the Catalina wreck, but you've got to go out, um, you know, obviously at this low low tide, you've got to walk quite a long way out. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. There was, some, there was a little hovercraft trip out, but it was quite expensive. And at the time I was, you know, just running on savings. So I decided not to do it. And I decided to walk across to Chinatown, um, take my backpack, take my shoes and socks off, put my wetsuit booties on, take my camera, which was a, my Minolta X700 film camera, which was not waterproof in the least. So I definitely did not want to drop it. And unfortunately, the lowest tide that particular, uh, on that particular occasion was about, I think, five minutes before sunset. So I had to walk out quite a long way. So I, I anyway, I went out, walked on my way out there, and uh, managed to get some photographs and then came back as the light is obviously dropping away and I'm trying not to 
fall over anything and, and ruin my camera or do anything like that. And it was all good anyway. I got off, got back on shore, dried my feet, you know, put my shoes back on, all of that stuff. Then I was just walking back into Broome. And on the way back in, I was walking through this sort of park. So although it ran alongside a road, I was a short distance from the road. So the road, I could see the road, but I wasn't particularly visible given that it was dark as well. And um, as I was walking along, I could see this bunch of guys, and they have to be Aborigine guys, and um, there was, I, I reckon about eight, and I, I can't remember, it was a group, anyway, a group of them walking towards me, and, you know, I'm on my Todd, I'm not a big guy, um, so I walked along, and I noticed one of them switch position, so that he was now directly in front of me, I thought, oh, yeah, <laughs> here we go, so... Um, Anyway, you know, what am I going to do? Because these guys are going to outrun me. There's more of them, all this sort of stuff. Oh, if there's anything nasty going to happen, there's not too much I can do about it. So we walked towards one another and then we got there. So we're now face to face. And of course, we both stopped. And I just looked at this guy right in the eye. And um, he didn't say anything for a moment or two. And then he said, oh, sorry, mate. Step to one side and let me pass. And um, I just kept walking. I didn't look back. I didn't rush. But I thought, okay, stay cool. Just walk. But I was pretty nervous. I don't know what was going on there. But um, I had heard some sort of not so nice stories when I was traveling. So anyway, that was all good. And uh, that worked out well. Um, one other story I will share, and it's back to the roadhouses and it's back to the motorbikes and about taking precautions. And um, I heard this, and this was in Western Australia, and I forget which roadhouse it was now. And I mentioned before that um, I'd taken my water. I even had one of those space blanket things because they fold up really small, you know, the aluminium blankets. And I thought, if, I, if the bike does break down, I need to just wait. I can make up some kind of a shade with it. Um, I'll, I'll rig something up along the bike. So um, that was there. But there was a, uh, I think it was a Japanese guy possibly Chinese, but I don't think there were that many tourists in the West back then. Anyway, this guy had turned up at this particular roadhouse and he was on a motorbike and they'd been looking at him. They were not happy with the condition he was in. He looked like he wasn't quite all there. He looked a bit, a little punch drunk. And I think it was maybe um, a symptom of sunstroke. Anyway, they were trying to persuade this guy to stay and wait and stay overnight at least. And um, he wasn't having any of it. And in the end, he left. And... Um, Later, the police came round because he hadn't turned up wherever he was going. And, of course, you know, they asked about this chap and if anyone had seen him. And, of course, these people said they had and related the story. Well, it then turned out a few days later they actually found him or it was, you know, sometime later they found him and he'd ridden straight off the road and off into the bush. I think he might have, he may have passed out on the bike and just kind of kept going. And... um he was sort of semi-mummified in his leathers because the heat is is really severe there. So I, I just, I know it's not a great story to end on, to be honest, which wasn't quite my plan. But I, I think the bottom line is, and I probably, and I said this in the preparation one, you've really got to respect the environment that you're in, regardless of the environment. When I was doing Killy, you know, it's high altitude, it's cold, those sort of things. Um, going around Australia, Australia feels a nice place because a lot of people go for tourism. But once you get out in the bush, this is um, this is a harsh place to be there's a reason uh, not that many people live there it is, it is tough so you've really got to treat the whole whatever environment you're in you've got to treat it with respect plan for it and take things with you that allow you to survive so on that note i'm going to wind it up i hope you've enjoyed these podcasts i hope you've enjoyed these stories and maybe got some useful tips from them and i will speak to you again on another podcast so um bye for now 
Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is some information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcasts and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now. 